Amen. We want to thank God for this series that's being taught. Amen. Amen. And we're actually continuing with the series. We're talking about the family. Amen. Amen. We're talking about family. Are we thankful for family? Amen. Amen. We're actually going to talk about how to resolve conflict. Um, why? Because it's a part of dealing with family. It's a part of dealing with people. Amen. Amen. So my objective this morning is to, the first thing is to basically challenge our thoughts about conflict, to challenge the way we see it, uh, the word, the way we hear it, the way we, we approach it. The second thing is to teach us behaviors that may be, help, help you to identify behaviors that may be causing conflict or hindering you from resolving conflict effectively. Amen. And then the last thing is to teach some ground rules and some step-by-step rules to actually resolve conflict effectively. All right? All right, so it's going to be real by the book, point by point. But, hey, it'll be good stuff. Amen. And this is literally what I teach in my sessions. So this is part one. So don't get real deep today. This is part one. <laughs> okay, so when, it, when you hear the word conflict, tell me what are some of the things that come to your mind. Fight. Confusion, fussing, fighting, cussing. <laughs> well, that's what he think. <laughs> so, I mean, and none of those words were things that when we hear those words, we have happy thoughts about, right? So most of us, when we hear conflict, we have negative thoughts about it. Um, usually it's associated with being out of control, anger, hurt, aggression, and typically we don't really think about a res- resolution being reached. We just think of arguments. So, so I don't want us to think about conflict in that way today. This is, as a result, so many people avoid conflict at all costs. Raise your hand if you are a conflict avoider. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we're going to talk about y'all, too. <laughs> I just wanted to identify my conflict avoiders first. They're okay. They're out there. Okay. It says so many people assume that conflict is bad because they've never seen it handled appropriately. So if you've only seen conflict end in a big fight and people don't like each other, then you would avoid that because the human nature is designed to avoid things that that hurt us. Amen? So um, it says many people believe that the absence of an argument means that there is peace. That is not the truth. The absence of an argument does not mean that there is peace. You often hear people say things like... um, I ain't saying nothing because I wanted to keep the peace. I just, I just didn't, didn't mention it because I wanted to keep the peace. Well, that's not keeping the peace. Actually, what it says, what, in fact, that what you're saying is I wanted to say something or that there was an issue to be addressed, but I thought that bringing it up would cause more trouble. So that's really what you're saying when you say I didn't mention it or I didn't say anything because I wanted to keep the peace. This suggests that confronting an issue actually causes trouble. Well, let me break it down for you. The issue was already there. The issue is there. Bringing it up and talking about it actually exposes it so that it can be dealt with effectively, and then there can actually be peace. What do we talk about when we're talking about peace? It says, no birth of a nation has ever, uh, the birth of this nation, I'm sorry, has been from the beginning had inequalities and injustices. When people began to speak about those inequalities and, and injustices, many times people say, oh, they're disrupting the peace. That's not peace because God said the definition of peace or our definition from God is nothing missing and nothing broken. If there is something broken in the system, if I talk about it, I'm not causing problems. I'm actually trying to bring peace. 
So we have to change the way we think about conflict. Conflict is a means to get peace. What do I mean by that? Um, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. But then in Matthew, the 10th chapter, he says, I didn't come to bring, bring peace, but a sword. So if you're reading those two things, you're like, either he crazy or he's got issues, he, he's lying or something, because it doesn't seem like those are synonymous. They don't seem like they go together. But the truth of the matter is Jesus understood that in order to truly bring peace, sometimes you have to break the status quo. You have to deal with what's going on. And if there is something missing or something broken, we have to deal with it effectively. Sometimes the dealing with it is not comfortable. We all okay with that? So um, there are the people that avoid conflict, and then there are the confrontational people. They want to confront everything. The problem with that, <laughs> the problem with the confrontational people, if they don't have skills, they confront, they are aggressive, it leads to bigger arguments. To well, y'all stop it. <laughs> um, then issues are still not resolved. So just because you're confronting it, if you don't know how to confront an issue effectively, you can just start confronting stuff and or going around arguing all the time and you're still not, not resolving anything. So, amen. We're going to talk more. It says, there are those people that confront everything, but their behavior does not produce any positive change. So I'm going to help ask you guys to hear yourself, identify yourself. I'm going to go through several behaviors that um, can interfere with positive resolution or can cause conflict in themselves. The first one is demanding and ordering. You do it like this. You better do it like this. Now, we think about as parents, we think, I can talk to my kids like that. And you, you can um, you have every right to talk to your kids however you want to talk to your kids. But even children, especially as they grow up, they need to understand a why behind some of the things that we're explaining to them. So it says people, uh, when we feel a part of a solution, we're more uh, likely to buy into it. When we feel like we have a buy-in into what we're talking about, I'm more likely to cooperate with you. Okay? So the next, uh, the next thing is blaming. Don't, don't point to your spouse. But anytime there's an argument, it's the only reason I did it was because you did so-and-so. Or I wouldn't have done it if you would have did some so Pastor Sean was successful, but this example would have worked if she would have said, the only reason I ate that popcorn was because Strick didn't support me in my vision. But you didn't. You stood, you stood strong. So she did not blame. But blaming says I'm going to take the focus off of me and put it on something that you did, and then I'm going to say that's the reason I responded the way I responded. The truth is we have responsibility for our own behavior. Say that. Say we have responsibility for our own behavior. The next thing is defending. Defending. It don't matter what they say, you defensive. Anybody ever talk to somebody that is just real defensive about everything? It's like, can you give me some chocolate cake? You had like, I ate all the chocolate. It was like, dude, dude, dude. It was, it was, there was no, I wasn't making any kind of accusations. I just wanted a piece of chocolate cake and you got upset. You're defensive. That typically comes because of insecurity, but, okay. Um, the next thing is interrogating. You ask a whole bunch of questions. Why you do that? What you finna go? Why you finna go do that? Why you doing this? Why you doing that? What, what, what? What do you think of when you hear the word interrogation? Police, law and order. None of that is what you want when you're dealing with your family in a conflict, right? What happens in the law and order room? People lie, they get defensive, or they shut down. That's what happens in relationships. When you start attacking people, they lie, 
They get defensive or they shut down. And then you mad. The next one is lecturing or preaching. When people do, where they were mad and then we get into lecture mode. And we just start spitting out facts. I mean, you like, and then don't you understand that this and this and this and then, and, and, and you, you gave them a whole lecture and literally what the other person is hearing is wah, 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 wah. You hear me? Mm-hmm. what I say? Ma'am? Huh? So, the next one is cursing. Cursing is just an uh, escalator. It quickly, if you're talking to somebody and you throw in that curse word, it just amps, amps it up one, one notch automatically. If I say, give me that paper. Okay. Give me that effing paper. Whoa! I just took it up a whole nother level, and I didn't even change my tone, really. I just put through that cuss word in there, and then you got more upset because I threw that in there. So if we were trying to defuse or de-escalate, we probably don't want to be cursing. You might not want to be cursing anyways, but that's your business because you're grown. You little lazy so-and-so. You trifling this. You... You act just like uh, you do this, and you, you just nasty. I mean, when you're saying these things, what happens with labels? This is, the, this is the truth that we know from the word. People will live up to their labels. If you label something in a negative way, people will live up to that, but the same is true with the positive. I've given this example multiple, multiple times, but I was always told that I was smart as a little kid. So when I reached math classes, I remember thinking that I was smart. And so when I encountered a math problem that I didn't understand, I wouldn't give up because I said smart people don't give up until they figure it out. So I kept figuring it out, or I kept working with it. When I figured it out, I went, oh, see, I am smart. But what if I would have been told that I was not smart as a child? When I encountered the tr problem, I immediately, because I don't think it was just that I was so smart, I just didn't give up. So when I encountered the problem, if I was told that I was not smart, I would have kept looking at it and I would have said, this too hard because I'm not smart anyways, I would have quit. And then it would have been another self-fulfilling prophecy which says, see, I told you I wasn't smart. So when we give labels, unless that's what we want to see, we should not say that. And we, we got plenty, plenty, plenty scriptures that back up what we say is what we get. Amen? And then name calling. You don't want to start name calling if you want to keep the relationship healthy. You just don't want to go there because those words stay etched in their minds. I've had people come in and they say, and 20 years ago, he called me a so-and-so. And I'm thinking, my goodness, let it go. But when you say those things, it can cut and you don't understand the depth that it can go into a person. Amen. The next uh, set of things. So those, those behaviors were called fight talk. That's for those people that are a little more aggressive. The next set of behaviors are for people that are more passive aggressive, which means a passive aggressive person says, I'm not going to pretend or I'm going to pretend that things are good, but I'm going to get you. I'm going to make you pay for it in the end. Amen. So I'll give a really quick example of passive aggressive. You want Wendy's? Mm, not really. I kind of want Burger King, but you know, it's whatever. All right, we'll go to Wendy's. Okay, cool. We go to Wendy's the rest of the night. Man, that's why I don't like Wendy's. My stomach will be hurting every time I eat Wendy's. That's why I don't never want to go to Wendy's because Wendy's burgers be square, and you know that ain't, that ain't healthy. That ain't right. How are you going to have square meat? You hear that all night. If you did not want Wendy's, all you had to do was say, hey, I really don't want Wendy's. 
That is passive aggressive. Look at your name and say, I won't be passive aggressive. All right. So here are some spite talk or passive aggressive kind of behaviors. The first one is shooting zingers. What is that? You won't say some real, real mean, but you will just throw in a little jab every now and then to get them. You just, yeah. You, you, you just throw in a little pity. You just throw in a little shade every now and then. It's like, I bet your mama did so-and-so. And you just keep it moving. You just throw them in there. You need to deal with whatever it is that's at the root of that because it's going to, well, actually, it's coming out. It's just coming out through your zingers. The next thing is foot dragging. You tell somebody you're going to do something, and it takes you forever to actually do it. So, (laughs) I was like, what's going on? They're they're doing some replay. We're good. So, foot dragging. Foot dragging is your spouse, your kids, your whoever asks you to do something, and you say you're going to do it, but you don't do it. Not right away. I'm going to take the trash out. Two days later, that same trash is in there. And you say, but I was going to do it. It looked like you lied to me. In your mind, you may say I had intentions, but to everybody else, it looks like you're lying. And it's going to tear down the, the, the um, fabric of the trust in the relationship. The next one is implying poor me. Don't nobody ever. All my cousins always be going out to the club, and they'll never be calling me. Did you want to go? Well, go. Implying poor me. Everybody at church always go to so-and-so after church. I believe the pastor's like them, and they don't even be telling me, you be gone. (laughs) Right. You wasn't at church that Sunday. (laughs) So implying poor me says everybody is doing me wrong, and nobody's working with me. If you have any of these mentalities, we can just toss them out at the end. Um, complaining, what does complaining do? It keeps us focused on the problem and not the solution. If there is an issue, don't walk around and complain about it. Express what you want, okay? Denying, anybody ever been mad at somebody and you say, what's wrong, and they say, nothing? (laughs) Nothing? Why you just throw that dish on the wall? (laughs) Don't lie and say nothing's wrong. Say, I'm bothered by whatever it is that you're bothered by. If you can't talk about it right now because you don't have your thoughts together, say, I can't talk about it right now, but I will talk about it later. But don't lie because we know you are bothered by something. Ooh, this one is placating. Placating basically means that I keep giving in even though I, don't, I know that your solution is garbage. But I don't want to start nothing. I've done this one plenty of times. I don't think that's a good idea, but all right. And then you end up down the road and you're like, I knew that was stupid. Why did I do that? Because I didn't want to start an argument, so I just placated and kept going. What's the problem with placating? It usually ends up with resentment. Because you start looking, you start resenting, you start saying, I'm the one that's always giving in, and their answer's always stupid. I'm the one that's doing this, and I'm the one that's doing this. And so, (laughs) y'all funny. (laughs) Placating, so it's not healthy to placate. (laughs) The next one is being the martyr or a victim. 
oh, I'll just, I'll be the one to do it. Don't worry about it. I'll, let me do it. You just, you're going to take one for the team every time. If you mad at the team, because you keep volunteering to take one for the team, Nobody asks you to keep taking one for the team, but you keep doing it and you're expecting. Now, the idea behind this behavior is you are expecting someone to feel sorry for you and then offer you something different. But people typically going to treat you the way you let them treat you. So people aren't always going to say, you know what, you always do this. Some, it's some good people. It's some people that believe in reciprocity, but not a lot. So if you don't demand what you need and what you want, people will keep on taking from you over and over again. Um, the next one is self-righteous and gossip. When you're in an argument, you start talking about how you've done everything right or how you wouldn't ever stoop to that level. I wouldn't do that. I can't believe you would stoop that low and blah, blah, blah. Well, when people start hearing it, when you're dealing with conflict, if you start coming at them in a self-righteous kind of mentality, what's going to happen? They're going to start either feeling really bad about themselves or start disregarding what you got to say. Um, keeping score. Keeping score. I took the trash out three times. You took the trash out twice. It's your turn. It, do the trash need to be taken out? Take it out. You don't have to keep score of every, I forgave you three times. We always we don't been to your mama house every year for Thanksgiving, and this year, why don't y'all discuss it? Just don't go off. Just discuss those things. Um, I see this one with with um, men and women, more so with women, pouting. When you don't get your way, you just kind of shut down and pout. You don't say anything. It's like, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. You pout? You a powder? <laughs> you a powder? It's okay. It's all right. Jesus is a deliverer. <laughs> what's the point of pouting? You walk around the house because you want somebody to say, hey, what's wrong? It's, it, Pastor Strickland just said what we talked about. People not, it's a lot of people that's not going to say that. And then you're going to be really, really mad because you pouting for three hours. And ain't nobody saying nothing. They not, they not down for your cause. So you can't just keep pouting. The next thing is withdrawing angrily or withdrawing, uh, uh, withholding affection. So you get mad and you just go off by yourself. Or I ain't going to hug you because I'm mad at you. I ain't, don't touch me. Don't, don't. Now, we know there has been scientific evidence to show that we're less likely to be angry with someone if we can touch them. So you're all mad, and they're like, baby, I'm really sorry. Can I hold your hand? No. <laughs> you, know, you know you shouldn't have brought that popcorn. Dude. She didn't do that, though. All right. Um, the next thing is withdrawing angrily and withholding affection. And we got two more. Lying. It's just hard to deal with conflict when you're lying. <laughs> That's just real simple. I'm trying to come with facts and you talking about some stuff you done made up. It's just hard. It's just hard to deal with conflict when you're lying. And the last one is nagging. Mm. Yeah. When we keep going over something over and over again, we're not changing the, our approach. We're not, we're not doing anything differently. We just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Those usually happen with the foot dragging. If you're you dragging your foot, then I keep nagging. 
why don't you pick it up? And then I won't keep nagging. Well, why do you keep nagging? If you could ask me, I'll do it myself. And so it's a cycle, and it goes back and forth. All right. So those are all behaviors just to be aware of when you're dealing with conflicts. I would actually w- I want to get into some, some rules or ground rules of how to avoid some of the blow-ups, okay? All right, the first one, and everybody should have a handout. It says remain calm. Doesn't that sound so much easier said than done? It's like, well, if I could do that, I probably wouldn't need to know all this stuff. Remain calm. How do we remain calm? All right, we got sports fans in here. I know it. I don't have to ask you to raise your hand. We have something in sports called a timeout. What is the purpose of a sports timeout? To regroup, number one. Two, to stop the momentum of the other team, right? So we use timeout. What are some of the rules of timeouts? Timeouts are short. They don't last all night. Timeouts also have um, either team can call a timeout. So if you call a timeout, I can't go out there and dunk the ball and think it counts. Because they're going to laugh at me. If I'm running the ball down the field, and I'm like, touchdown, dude, we was on timeout. It does not work. You cannot. So the same thing is true with relationship timeouts. Number one, these, is, these are important rules to understand. They must be respected by both teams. So if you're arguing with someone or in conflict with someone and they say, I need a break, I need a timeout, you can't keep on arguing and they just told you I'm on a timeout. It, it literally looks like you're dunking while they on timeout. And you're excited and you're expecting cheers and we just think you're weird. So if you, both teams can call timeout. So you can do this with kids, you can do this with your spouse, whoever. If you start to feel um, your physical cues, and we'll go over that in a second, when you start to feel your body getting angry, that's probably the time you need to go ahead and call your timeout, not when you are already at the 10. When you are at the 10, it's probably not a lot you're going to do to come back down. So when you start, what are some of the things your body does to tell you that you're getting angry? You do what? You get hot physically. What else? Your heart rate increases. You shake it. Racing thoughts. Your eyes get watery. Hands be shaking. Yeah, everybody has these. <laughs> Chris says, steam coming out your ears. You be real mad. You probably already at the 10. So what, what are these things? I call them your body smoke detectors. It's like tell, your body is saying, hey, there's something going on, and if you don't stop it, it could be problematic. So when you start, you, y'all sitting there talking, it started off real smooth, and then it started getting, you can, ooh, he said something, your heart started beating a little faster, and he said something else, and then you, you clench your fist. Those are the things to tell you, I probably need to go ahead and step away, calm down, and then we can resume this conversation when I'm a little clearer without being so emotional. Does that make sense? How many of you are married to the opposite from you, meaning one of you is a pursuer and one of you is an avoider. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the avoider says, I got to get away, and the pursuer keeps saying, no, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it right now. We going to deal with this. You're not leaving this house until this is dealt with. And they're like, just let me go, just let me go, just let me go, let me go. But the problem is the, the, the pursuer is so afraid that the avoider won't ever come back they're like, if I, I got to deal with it right now because if you leave, this is surely never going to get addressed ever, ever, ever again. So that's why you have to establish the rule. You got to have the rule. The rule says if we call a timeout, 
Timeouts don't end the game. Timeouts just help me to regroup so we can deal with the issue. So, hey, I see you getting worked. I can call a timeout if I see you getting worked up. It's not just if I'm getting I can see you get and you, you, you know what, let's just take a timeout. I can tell you're getting a little mad. Let's just, let's just take a timeout. Let's stop. Let's break. But then you got to come back and deal with the issue. Okay? Any questions about any of that? I'm going to have questions at the end. Um, the next thing says express your feelings in words, not actions. Y'all know how you express your words, your feelings in action? You roll your eyes, you slam doors, you grunt, you, you turn different body language, you won't let them touch you, you you mad, you closed off. That's expressing yourself, but you're not using your words. And just like we tell young kids, you have to use your words. If you feel like you're about to shut down, take a time out, okay? The next thing says be specific about what's bothering you. Be really clear about what is bothering you. Why? Because it's hard to deal with it when you just throw out something vague. We got to do better. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm just not happy here. Well, why? What is it that I'm doing? I mean, it's just, you know, no. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. You have to tell me what's bothering you, and you have to be really clear about what's bothering you because if I think you're mad because I'm getting off late and you're really mad because I'm not bringing you chicken when I get off, you have to say that because if I'm talking about you coming home late and you always coming home late and, and I'm thinking, oh, I need to get home earlier, but if I come home earlier and I still don't have no chicken, you're still mad at me. you got to tell me what the real issue is. Amen. You better bring that chicken. But how am I supposed to know to bring the chicken if you don't tell me I'm mad because you keep coming in without food? Tell them, hey, it bothers me because I wait to eat because I want to eat with you. And then you come in and you've already eaten. And you know that's one of my triggers that when I'm hungry, I get a little irritable. So I need you to come in with food. You need to say that. <laughs> Hmm, we're going to use our words. We got grunting stuff. All right, the next thing says, deal with only one issue at a time. Have you ever had somebody that you're dealing with an issue and they start talking about five other issues? If we are talking about what we're going to do in mama's house after she die, we only talking about what we're going to do in mama's house. We're not talking about in the third grade how you wore my red shirt. We're not talking about how your husband from the first husband didn't never really like my kids. We're not talking about any of that other stuff. We only talking about mama's house. We only talk about one. Now, it requires somebody to be the officiator. When, when somebody starts going off, somebody got to go, that may be true, but that's not what we're focusing on right now. So you don't have to, we ain't talking about that. No, no, don't go off like that. Tone, tone is everything, approach is everything. So if, if somebody starts bird walking and they start bringing in all these other issues, you can uh, validate what they're saying. You know what, that might be a real issue we need to talk about. However, we need to resolve this issue first and then we can talk about that issue, okay? Um, the next one says, no hitting below the belt. Mm. It ain't. Let me tell y'all, this example came up so strong in a session the other day. This woman said she told her, 
first child's husband's or daddy something, and he didn't talk to her for 15 years, and she didn't know why. She hit so far below the belt, and she said, he came back and said, you told me so-and-so and so-and-so. And she was like, wow. For 15 years, I haven't heard from you, and you've been angry because of that. you got to understand that when a person is being vulnerable with you, if you bring that information back up to hurt them in an argument, they are not going to ever be vulnerable with you again. If I trust you with something vulnerable or something important to me, and then you throw it in my face when I'm hurt, I'm probably not talking to you no more. So don't hit below the belt, even if you're really angry. And I told that lady, I said, listen, you can keep doing that if your goal is to destroy the relationship. But if your goal is restoration, you got to stop that because nobody is going to respect you and nobody's going to be open with you. And she was like, he's so distant. And he, she, started, he, she started sharing some of that stuff she said. And I was like, no wonder he's so distant. You're, you should be happy he's still married to you. This is with anything. This is not just husband and wife. This could be your mama. We know stuff about our parents. We know stuff about our siblings. You can't bring those hurtful things up. I'm not saying things can't be addressed. I'm saying in the heat of the moment, you don't use that against them. You don't use it to hurt them. All right. Um, Avoid accusations. I know you meant to do, you only did that because you was trying to do so-and-so. If you don't have proof of that, you can, you can say how their actions made you feel, but you don't have the right to make an assumption or an accusation. Does that make sense? Um, it says accusations lead people to defending themselves rather than understanding you. Try not to generalize. You know those words like always, everybody, don't nobody, never, I, what happens when you say that? It, it, it discredits you because they will think of, if you say you don't never bring me so-and-so, they think about that one time that they brought you that, and the entire argument becomes defending that one time that you don't never bring me flowers. Uh-huh, because Kroger had that sale that day, and I brought you them flowers. It was March of 2000, I remember. But you don't, you don't have an argument now because you said you don't ever do it, and he said, yes, I do. So you have to say, I would like flowers more often. Don't say you don't ever bring me flowers. Just say, I would like flowers more often. Be clear. I want roses if you, want, if you care. How often? You're right. Be very clear. I would like flowers every day, weekly, once a month once a year because if he did it one time out of seven years and he does it one more time and then he do it again the next six months he's gonna think he's on the roll I don't know how many times people have come and they'll say man I'm doing good and their spouse or their mama or whoever will be like no they're not no they're not they're lying to you because they have improved in their own mind. But if someone has an issue with you, you can't judge if you are meeting their standard. They have to be the judge. If I say I need more affection and you come and give me a high five the next morning, you think you gave me more affection. You have to say, hey, is that what you're talking about? But it's also my responsibility to say, I appreciate that high five but I really would like a hug. I really would like a hug in the morning and nighttime. I would really like, and you have to be clear about what you want because nobody can read your mind. Let's say that one. 
gosh, nobody can read my mind. For whatever reason, people think that because people on the movies automatically think of that stuff, although it's scripted, you think it's going to happen like that in real life. The reason that dude had those flowers laid out is because it, somebody gave him a script and said, say this and do this. And it looked so beautiful and it looked so, it's like, oh my gosh, I just wish my husband, I just wish my kids, I wish my mama would whatever. And then you're like, why don't they ever think like that? Because ain't nobody writing for them in real life. <laughs> so... If you want those things, you need to say, I would like these things, because then you become the writer of your own life. You get to write the script for your life. You can say, hey, I want roses on the floor at least once a month. There you go. Once a month, roses on the floor. Okay? Because he's probably not just going to think of that by himself. He's not in the script. <laughs> um, where are we? Oh, try not to make believe? No. Avoid make believe. Yeah. Yeah, just don't lie. It says exaggerating or inventing a complaint. <laughs> this, will co this will prevent real issues from surfacing. Stick to the facts and be honest. Sometimes you don't have as much sympathy if you stick to the facts. But if, that's what, if your goal is just sympathy, you can lie. If your goal is to resolve it, you should tell the truth. I know nobody will admit that they lie, so I won't ask you to. But if you lie, don't. Stick to the facts. The next one says, don't stockpile. What's that? You, you get mad about a whole bunch of little bitty stuff, but you don't ever say it. And then all of a sudden, they leave the cheese wrapper out, and you blow all the way up off the cheese wrapper. And they don't know why you're going off about the cheese wrapper, but it wasn't the cheese wrapper. It was, the, it was the cheese wrapper. It was you forgot my birthday until the end of the, of the day, and then you forgot this, and then you didn't take the trash out, and we ain't went out in three months. And so you keep all this, you keeping all these things in your head that goes back to keeping score. You're keeping this, like you said, a running tab, and then all of a sudden you blow up. Um, so the issue with, or not the issue, the solution for that is to deal with issues as they arise. Now, some people say, I don't want to be just always nagging, always got an issue with something. I don't want. So here's my solution. If something bothers you and you go to sleep and you wake up and it's still on your mind, it's worth addressing. Because sometimes it's just you sleepy and cranky or you're hungry or whatever. But if you eat, if you full and rested <laughs> and it still bothers you, you need to deal with that. But it, if you... You ever had something real that is bothering you, but then after you eat, it just don't even, it don't matter anymore? That was just one of those, it was just you. It was just you. Say, so it was just me. It, yeah. I, yeah, that's real. You, hangry is real. <laughs> so, again, if something bothers you and you're like, I don't know if this is worth it, go to sleep. Wake up. It's still on your mind. Go ahead and address it. Um and avoid clamming up. What's those avoiders are my clamors. It says positive results can only be obtained with two-way communication. Basically, when you clam up, you're, you're um, stopping us from talking about solutions here. I don't know what you want. 
I don't know what I did wrong. You just shut down. And so if you clam up, it's hard to deal with that. Um, and the last thing says establish some common ground rules. And I, I, every time I see this, I laugh. I said, didn't we just go over the ground rules? So this means you establish common ground rules for you, your, your couple, your, you and your mama, you and your sister, cousin, whoever you're dealing with. Why? There are certain things I, I remember uh, working with someone, and their arguments always happened if they brought up a big issue about 10 o'clock, after 10 o'clock. They then quickly realized they were both exhausted by that time. And so everything would turn into something really big after 10 o'clock. So they just made a rule, we don't deal with it after 10. We'll, if it's after 10 and it arises, we'll deal with it in the morning. So those are common things that you have to know about your situation that you say, mm, we, we can't really talk about this at this time or we have to only do these things. It's just specific for you. Does that make sense? All right. Questions? Establish it before you get into an argument, and then in the argument, you can just say, I need a timeout. Does that make sense? Like you establish it that that's agreed upon in your family first, just like sports. So, like, they just go timeout in sports. So, literally, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Mm -mm. No, no, no. No, good. Great. That's no. Right. Very good. Hold on. You want to say something? No, I'm going to answer that because that was good. I'm glad you brought it up. Yes, sir. You over there co-signing with the. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay, but great question. I'm going to answer both of those. Kristen's first question was, do we have to stop? Yes, but you cannot use it like you cannot overly abuse the timeout. Just like a game, just like sports, you, can't, you only have a certain amount of timeouts. You can't just be like, uh, boom, I'm finna shut you down. Number one. <laughs> Oh, oh, you mad? <laughs> Time out. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> so, great, great, great. Yes, you, you have to respect it, but you are also saying we are trying to be mature when we are using it. So, it is not a tool to, to be petty. Um, what was yours? Lent, suggested length. Depending on the issue, the person who calls a timeout say, I need about 15 minutes. I need about 20 minutes. Sometimes y'all might be in an argument before you're going to work or your kids finna go to school and you, got, you say, you know what? We're going to pause this until after school, but you do set a certain time when you're going to come back. It should not be longer than 24 hours.
Great question. So that, that is, and it's actually we're going to talk about it, but you're, you're, you can't make people do anything, first of all. But secondly, the way to, to handle it is to have them to see how important it is to you. So don't start attacking them. I know you're just trying to avoid the question. We're going to talk about this. No, no, no. But listen, this is really, really important because of these reasons. I really need to talk about it. Now, people don't always, these rules are great for rational um, people who want their relationship to work. What if you are dealing with people, and we're not talking about that so much today, but what if you are dealing with people who don't want to participate in the process? You get to decide what you do with them. I don't mean that in a, in a funny way, but when people show you that they are no longer involved or invested, then you get to decide what extent they, are, they play a role in your life. So my sister keep doing X, Y, or Z to me, and I say, hey, we really need to talk about this. And she keeps avoiding it and keeps doing whatever. And you're like, hey, we need to talk about it because it's super important. And she, she has shown me that that's not important to her. I then have a right to say, my sister and I, we won't interact the same way that we have. Okay. Did I answer all those questions? All right. <laughs> so let's see. The first thing says, th these are the step-by-step -step rules. Before you begin, ask yourself, what exactly is bothering you? What do you want the other person to do or not to do? And are my feelings in proportion to the issue? That is a huge thing. If your, if your mad is up here and the issue is down here, you have to ask yourself what's the real issue. Because if the real issue, the real issue can't be about that, that cheese paper. If you, I mean, you throwing stuff. <laughs> you throwing all kinds of trash around the house. And you're like, dude, raise your hand if you've ever been mad about something and you knew you, your mad was bigger than the issue. You're like, this shouldn't even have me this mad, but I'm so ticked off. Why am I so ticked off? Don't even try to address it until you get that answer. Because you're going to be fighting about a, another issue that's not the real issue, and they would actually have a solution for what you came at them with, but you're still mad because it wasn't a real issue. So it says, ask yourself, are my feelings in proportion to this issue? If your answer is yes, great. If not, co continue to do some soul searching. One of the ways I do that, or I, I suggest, is to actually take some time and just write. I know this sounds corny, but sometimes if you just start writing, your emotions will just start to flow. So if you are going, I don't really know what's bothering me, or it's hard for me to identify really what the root is, just start, like set, set a timer, 10 minutes, and just write. Pretty soon, you can go back and look, and you'll go, oh, I can remember one time in high school, and I, I was just, I, I thought I was hormonal, I don't know. Um, I was just emotional that night and couldn't figure out what was going on, and so I started writing, and then I went, ooh, I got a whole bunch of anger towards that person, and I didn't even realize it, I, because you, I'm not by nature a confrontational person. So I would let stuff slide and let it slide and let it slide and go, oh, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. But then once I was having those feelings and I started writing and I was like, whoa, that's more stuff there than I realized. So get it out. If you're not a person that um, 
typically likes to vent or likes to talk things through, you have to figure out, be able to have a way to figure it out, and that's a great way. Um, number two says, what are your goals before you begin? Don't go in talking about we need to talk. That's for the people that's real confrontational. No, we're going to deal with this, but what do you want to happen? I don't know. We just, I just wanted to go off. <laughs> well, we can't come up. The, I, the point is resolution. The point is not for you just to go off on me or for me to go off on you. The point is resolution, and you have to keep that at the forefront. What do I want? Um, what are my goals before I begin? What are the possible outcomes that are acceptable to me? Number three, this is huge. Remember the idea is not to win, but to come to a mutually satisfying solution to the problem. I know this church, they like to win. I don't know about all the other churches in the world, but this one right here, they want to win. You have to reframe the way you see winning because if you don't reframe the way you see winning, your flesh will make you feel like you're losing and you will say, I ain't going out like that. I'm going to tell them. So if you reframe winning, the relation, keeping my relationship healthy is winning rather than being right. Because sometimes you can be right and lose your relationship. Is being right that important to you? Most of the time, the stuff that people are arguing about is really not as deep as most of the time. There are some serious things, but most of the time, we blow up about stuff that really wasn't that big of an issue. So... Remember, the idea is not to win. Number four, set a time to discuss with the person you're having the issue with. Don't just walk up and take people uh, by surprise. They in there cooking. They think, they think you, you in a good mood and you go in there talking about, and, the, and another thing, <laughs> you started this in the car, didn't you? Because you were already in the middle of your argument and you're going off. You can't just, just take people off like that. You have to say, hey, we need to discuss those things. Why? Because every, every, all times are not the appropriate time to deal with everything. When I get home, don't come at me with nothing. Don't. Why? Because literally I have spent nine hours hearing people talk about their problems. I don't want to then, you got a question that you just witnessing. Yes. Okay. Okay. Set a time. <laughs> no. Great question. You, sir, are in timeout. <laughs> so here's the thing. Number four, if you read it, it says set a time, which means it's agreed upon. So when they walk in, they're probably going to already know that they don't want to deal with stuff right when they walk in. So they're going to say, I get home about four, let's do a five. So you've set a time as opposed to just after work. Because you're right. There are people that's like after work. Ooh, after work. You off? Because you can talk while you're driving. <laughs> what? Hold on, we got a question. 
So that, that time out. <laughs> That is why you set the time that both people agreed upon. You don't say, at 5 o'clock, we're going to have this conversation because his favorite show may be on at 5 o'clock, and you're going to be mad because you're going to say, you chose your favorite show, and we got real issues, and I'm your wife, and I'm these. Set a time. Agree. We both say 5 o'clock works. If 5 o'clock doesn't work, you have the responsibility. If you're the person who really don't want to, you have the responsibility to say, mm, I know you're want to talk about this, and I'm not putting you off, but right now something happened or whatever, but let's do six. So you still have to set a time, and you have to be true to that, okay? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Is it something, okay, so it goes back to you deciding kind of how you're going to interact with that person. For example, you may need to get something off your chest your mama did to you 13 years ago, and your mama refuses to talk about it. At that point, you have to say, is there a way that I can resolve this without my mama? Because you, sometimes we're expecting things that people are not willing or able to do. So if I'm expecting an apology from my mama and she is not willing or able to give me that apology, I have to resolve either I'm going to forgive her without ever getting the apology, I have to resolve that I'm going to stay mad forever, or I have to, I have to and yet you can write a letter, you can have to figure out another way to deal with it if they won't. Now, it may be something like, I don't know why I keep saying property, but let's say it's like a property issue with siblings settling a dispute, and you have to have the other person to do that. You may have to take legal matters or whatever if they're refusing to do that. But I would always say communicate as, as much as possible before you get to that kind of step. Say, hey, I need to talk to you. And if we don't talk, but give people warning before you do things. Hey, we need to talk about this. We've set five appointments and you haven't, or five times to discuss this and you haven't. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and talk to the lawyer and we're going to figure out what we need to do to sell the property or to do whatever because your refusal to talk does not mean I have to stay stagnant or stay in that place. Does that make sense? Did that answer your question? Okay. Um, state the problem clearly. It says, first, stick to the facts. Once you've stated the facts, state how you feel using I messages. I put my own little, well, I didn't create it, but. The one I use all the time, the I statement. I feel. Anybody ever heard people say, I feel, and then they'll say, like, da, 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 da. That's not a feeling. <laughs> I feel like you always coming in here trying to start trouble, and blah, blah, blah. That's not an I message. You just attack them, and you just threw I feel in front of it. I feel hurt, I feel happy, sad. You want to put the actual emotion that you are feeling in that spot. Why? Because most of us don't even know how to be connected to our emotion. That's why I can't stand that I feel some type of way song. What way? Tell me what you're feeling. Get, it's a feeling chart on the internet. Look it up. Find the word. Tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> don't say, My, I just, I'm, I'm just, you know. No, tell me. So I feel blank. Put the emotion there. 
Next says, don't use, when, don't use the word you after that. That's the tricky part. <laughs> what happens when you say, <laughs> y'all funny. I feel sad when you do so-and-so. No. I feel sad when this happens, when I do so-and-so, when this happens, you know, does that make sense? I know it sounds like semantics, but when people hear you, they automatically, even I guess subconsciously, get defensive. And so, again, if the goal is restoration, we're not trying to, we're not trying to work them up. We're trying to keep the peace. We're trying to come up with the resolution. Uh, then the last part says, I would like. You got to be clear about what you want. So, I feel sad when I see Kristen go to lunch uh, on Fridays and I'm not invited. I would like to come to lunch with you on Friday. Not. you. I, f I feel like you always be trying to leave me out on purpose and you don't. No, 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 no. Come back. I feel sad when I'm sitting at lunch by myself. I want to come to lunch with you. Okay. That's much easier to absorb, and it's easier to get what you need because you were clear about what you wanted and you didn't attack the person. Um, invite the other person to share his or her point of view. Most of us are pretty smart people, and so we assume that our point of view is right. <laughs> yes. But what if you don't have a whole story? What if you don't, what if you're wrong? So getting the other person's perspective, it does not mean you have to agree with their perspective. You can understand their perspective. So it says, invite the other person to share their point of view. Be careful not to interrupt. Be careful not to interrupt. I already know what you're going to say. No, you don't. And even if you do know what I'm going to say, I, have, I deserve respect to be able to say what I want to say. So... Don't interrupt. It says, and genuinely try to hear his or her concerns and feelings. People can communicate with their words, but you know it's something deeper. When you're listening, listen for all of it. Does that make sense? If I say, I'm a little bit scared about so-and-so, but you see that I'm, I'm really terrified, go, wow, you really seem, I mean, like, this seems like it's a little bigger than just a little scared. Go ahead and communicate that back. And it, does, it won't hurt if you paraphrase to make sure you're understanding. Let me ma just make sure we're on the same page. Any of you ever thought you said something to somebody and they heard it a whole different way? That's why it's okay to say, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Let me make sure we're good. Sometimes people don't like that. You treat me like I'm a, a child. No, it's not that I'm trying to treat you like a child. It's that I want to make sure that when we leave, we are both connected. We, we understand in each other because it's easy. It's super easy for two different people to hear things differently. And so I think I'm really clear about what I want. And obviously, I was not as clear as I thought I was. So, and, and the other thing is we hear things based on our experiences and our filters. So we, we filter things through what has happened from us and to us in the past. And because of that, we can hear something that somebody didn't say at all. I mean, literally, you can say, you look really pretty, and somebody can hear an insult from that based on their past, their experience. So, so are you trying to be funny? No. 
I'm not. I think you look very pretty. Oh, okay, because I was about to get offended. And they don't even know why you're getting offended because that was all your filter and all your issues. So you have, it's really good, really, really good to make sure you're on the same page before you leave. Um, be specific, I'm sorry, propose solutions to the situation. Don't just give one option. If we're working on, if we're dealing with an issue, what are a couple options that we can work through or we can work on? What are some different solutions to this? Does that make sense? Okay. Discuss the advantages and disadvantages of both. What if we, what if we, I like your idea. Let's talk about the advantage. Don't just say, that's stupid, that ain't going to work. Well, what if there, it may be. It may be. But there may be some positives through in it somewhere. So let's look at it. Let's look. Again, if I feel like we made that decision together, I'm much more inclined to be supportive and to rock with that decision as opposed to I think you just said my decision was stupid. And then I went along with it because I'm probably going to, if, if I just go along with it anyways, I'm, I'm, I might have the tendency to be passive aggressive and do something to sabotage it anyways. So talk about the advantages and disadvantages of all the solutions that are proposed. Do it, smart people. Don't, don't break down all the disadvantages to the other persons and then all the advantages to your solution. Look at both. You have to go, okay, what are the, oh, yeah, you're right. My, mine was good, but I could see where you, we could do that from your perspective, okay? And the last one says be willing to compromise. Allowing the other person only one option makes it difficult to resolve the concern. Once you've reached an agreement, check in. You always have to have some check-in points. So we decided we're going to have date night once a week. All right, so in three months, we say, how's this going? Is this enough? Is this too much? Is this, how's this, does this bring us closer? Does this make us not like each other as much? What do we, I mean, we're trying to see if what we decided is working, if it's effective. We were trying to figure out what we're going to do about the kids whatever. Is this a good place for them? Do we still like this daycare we decided on? It's okay to go back and revive. That's the good thing about life. We're not stuck. So if, in fact, you, you decided on something and you no longer like that, you can go back and say, it's time for us to revisit that because it's no longer working. There are things that work for you at one stage in your life that won't work for you at all at this stage in your life. If you don't go back and revisit those things, you will be frustrated because you'll say, it used to work, what's going on? Well, a lot's going on. It's been 10 years between when y'all implemented that first strategy, and so things have changed. Your children are not in, in diapers anymore. You gotta do this, your, or your, you know, your mama was not sick when y'all first did this, now she's needing to be in the nursing home. We gotta sit down and say, is this still working for us? That makes sense? All right, any questions? That's right. That'll work. Yeah. No, I understand. You could use that word. <laughs> you can call it synergy. You can call it creating another alternative. You got to work with your spouse. <laughs> 
but basically, I mean, I think that's a really good point, seriously, because there are certain people that say, I don't want to give up anything. I want to, I want both pieces. The idea is to ask, what, what are you needing and what am I needing, and how can we both get our needs met? The example, um, like when conflict res or mediation they use, it was a child who needed an orange, and her sister wanted the orange, and they both reached for it at the exact same time, and they were arguing, well, I want the orange, I need it for school for my project. Well, one, the girl who needed it for school needed the outside. The other girl wanted to eat it. If they compromised, they would have cut it in the middle, and one of them got half, and one of them got half, and they still wouldn't have got everything they needed. That's why communication is so important, because if you can verbalize, I need all of the outside, but you can have all the inside. You can both walk away with everything that you need and not feeling like you had to, to lose anything. Um, but if you're not, if you just go, I, I want the orange. No, I want the orange. Compr that seems like the logical solution where you get half of it and you get half of it. But if you're clear about what you really need, that's why it's so important not to shy away from your needs. Even, because sometimes we're embarrassed about the things that we need. There is nothing wrong with needing what you need. Say that because then you have a better opportunity of getting that need met. I need a lot of hugs. I don't want to seem needy. Do you need a lot of hugs? Are you mad because you're not getting them? You probably need to say, I need more hugs. If you need somebody to say you look pretty every day, you need to say, hey, you need to tell me every day I look pretty. You don't want to seem like you got issues. You do. So go ahead and ask for what you need. <laughs> but we all got them. So it's, I mean, and that's the thing. Most of the time we, are, we think that we are appearing stronger than we are, but people can see our issues. We think we're hiding them. And we think we have a really great mask except your anxiety comes out and we can tell. <laughs> your anger comes out and we can tell you got an issue. So it's easier to say, hey, I'm kind of struggling with this. Oh, girl, I already knew you were struggling with that. The fact that you kicked that door when you walked in <laughs> and you threw that dog over there, we kind of figured you had an anger issue. <laughs> so say what you need. If, if your need is irrational, then at least somebody can talk to you about it. But if you keep it inside, you stay frustrated because it's not getting met. And then you, you lash out at people for some random reason and we don't know why. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you can change what you need. If you in a club and y'all have sex every night, and then y'all have three kids, and somebody still expecting sex every night, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying somebody might be frustrated. <laughs> you have, but you have to say that. You have to say, "Woo, every night, woo." I mean, it was lovely, but it's woo. That's a bit much. Oh, I thought, I know, because we didn't communicate that my body has changed. This has changed. Like, we got three kids in the bed with us. I, we didn't communicate those things. <laughs> so, so I just, 
Now let's just figure out another way. It don't mean we got to give up everything. It just means we got to figure out another way to get this done. Yes, ma'am. It is literally just like church. The more you put it in, the faster you get results. Like, there are people that I have worked with for over a year, and it's like finally getting breakthrough. And then there are people that come in their third time or their second time. I had a lady come in on intake, and the next time she came in, she was like, girl, let me tell you how I done changed. And she started spitting stuff out, and I was like, hmm, we got us a worker bee. Because some people are, so, so like, I'll tell people, I was like, pull out your rules if you, I mean, because if it always ends up in we getting divorced, or if it always ends up in you ain't my sister no more, or you ain't, we ain't family, we ain't talking, if it always ends up big, you probably need to say, we got to literally pull out the rules to use this. So what do I want to accomplish? I want this from you. If you're serious about it, you'll do things that are out of the ordinary or take you out of your comfort zone. Yes, it typically is a little harder, or it seems to be harder for people that use negative behaviors as a safeguard. And what I told somebody recently is you have to try as much as possible to create an environment where they want to change, a safe space. So if I, again, it goes back to like hitting below the belt. If I've always lashed out because whatever, if you start not making me feel like I'm judged or whatever, I'm more likely to, 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 um, to be, I'm more likely to open up to you if I feel safe. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Any more questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. There, I mean, yeah. When you say enough is enough, just like literally with any area of your life, if you get ready to lose weight, you will lose weight. If you get tired of being fat, you will lose weight. If you get tired of being mean, you'll stop being so mean. You may have to learn some new skills to do that, but you will seek out those skills when you're ready. But when you're not, you will make excuses as to why you're that way. I eat because my mama at the house cooking cookies. I used that one recently. I don't have to eat that. I have every right to say, no, it's in there. I don't have to eat it. I chose to eat it. So I can't complain about my pants being a little tight or more than a little. <laughs> Any other questions? So we're supposed to do a part two, and in the part two, we're going to talk about boundaries because that's one of the biggest things I see. People have an issue with being able to say no. People have an issue with um, being able to 
to stop because you think just because it's mama, you got to let her do that, or just because it's your sister, or you, everybody got a right to, to your life, and you, I know that ain't really your issue. We may tag team now. <laughs> so anyway, no more questions? All right. 